This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey, all cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. It's August 4th, my mother's birthday. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Wow, happy birthday, Josh's mom. What a, what a <laughs> pleasure. And it's not just because your mom's celebrating her birthday. It's more that we're less than a week away from the game week one deadline. I finally have the nervous butterflies in my stomach related to my FPL team, Josh. Are you feeling that, that yeah. nervousness now? I am feeling it a little bit, a lot, a lot bit, whatever, whatever the opposite of a little bit is, is, is how I'm feeling right now is uh, I, w- I went to uh, Maine uh, for a week. I just got back last night and uh, last night, you know, I sort of in my head, I'd been planning on last night being the night when I was going to kind of do everything, like fully immerse myself in fantasy planning, like really get into it. Uh, and it was, it was almost too much, you know? I mean, I, I sort of started with stats bomb. I was like, I don't even want to get into the fantasy part of it. I need to like get like a real grounding in like the players first. So I opened up like 12 tabs, you know, like yeah. all of these different tabs with all these different team previews. And I'm just digging through all of them and taking some notes. And I'm like, and I actually fell asleep. I was like, this is like too much. <laughs> like I was just, I think my brain was just like, no, this is too much. Uh, I, I mean, I, I did like a couple hours of like what, like actual work, you know? And so, right. Yeah, so I'm feeling it a little bit too. Um, it's it's good to be back. It's good to be recording the podcast. Uh, yeah, if we like want to peel back the curtain just a little bit for a second, it's been um, over three weeks since you and I have actually recorded a podcast together. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, just through the first time ever. This is we're going to the fifth year of doing this this the always cheating podcast, and this is the first time it's ever happened where you and I had. You had a two week vacation that the day you got back was the day I left for a one week <laughs> vacation. So yeah. we had to kind of front load all of these episodes, like many of which we recorded while I was like laid down with strep throat. So it was just a crazy, crazy yeah. stretch of time. So this is like the first real time podcast we've done in a while. It's very good to be back. We've got a lot to talk about. Yes. Brandon, I'm just going to get right into it. Okay. 
And and if you if you never listened before, this is the Always Shooting Fantasy Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm talking to Brandon. Uh, we're two Americans. We're we're based in Brooklyn. Uh, we're fantasy addicts. We've been doing this podcast for five years. We're an award winning podcast. We won the Football Blogging Awards Best Fantasy Football Content Creator Award uh, this last spring. It was awarded at the Eddie Had. Uh, and yeah, so that's that's who we are. And uh, Brandon, I'm going to get right into the first question. What, if anything, can we learn from the Community Shield, which took place this morning? Uh, great question. That question was first posed by Red Dagger on our Slack channel, which we'll, we'll sort of, I tried to pass that off as my own, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. You thought James' question was so good, you'd take it as your own. Now, <laughs> I, I kind of ramped up to the community shield this morning. On Friday, I took in the Lutontown Middlesburger match, the, mm-hmm. the kickoff of the championship league. Lutontown, one to watch. Incredible uh, team performance there. Wow. Then, Yesterday morning, I watched Fulham get absolutely embarrassed by Barnsley. So it felt great to turn on the community shield and watch two fully fledged professional footballing teams, Liverpool and Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, I'm so tempted to ask you some Fulham questions, but I feel like that would be like a rabbit hole we have to avoid today. (laughs) I I, I want to know more. (laughs) Yeah. They're awful, and there's really nothing more to say about that. I think the first takeaway from the Community Shield is Mo Salah hasn't changed a single bit. He had trouble um, getting a lot of sting behind his shots and placing his shots, mm-hmm. but he was the liveliest player on the pitch, I thought, even yeah. livelier than the likes of Sterling. He looked ready for it. He looked well-rested. The commentary, Martin Tyler pointed out this fact that there was a ball drifting to the corner uh, in the 90th minute. And Mo Salah did one of those sprints where his legs are just a complete blur. He looked like a cartoon yeah. character sprinting after <laughs> yeah. it. His his fitness just looked off the charts. And you compare that to Kevin De Bruyne, who could not finish. He, he kind of laid down around the 90th minute <laughs> with cramp. He so, had some uh, moments, but yeah, he looked... I mean, I, I thought he ran well when he was running, but... Yeah, I I was actually a little annoyed that Salah played the full 90. I thought that was um, – uh, I'm not really sure why he did that for an exhibition match when they play on Friday. Um, yeah. But I – yeah, I agree with you. I thought he looked uh, – you know, he was really active. Um, lots of shots on goal uh, with uh, maybe a little bit better luck, um, a little bit more accuracy. Maybe he scores a goal or two in that match. Um, I thought Sterling looked great. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I actually think it's slightly hard to evaluate Sterling. Um, he's been like an incredible offseason, but uh, he's basically been playing as a forward, you know, um, which he won't mm-hmm. be doing when the season starts, I, I wouldn't imagine. Well, um, the injury you know, to Sané early in the match, I th- uh, Sterling was playing through the middle until Sané got injured and Jesus comes on or Jesus comes on to the pitch right. and that pushes Sterling out wide. So I do wonder, depending on... I mean, there's no way that Sané starts this weekend based on what his knee looked like when he came off the pitch. But I think right. there is an, a possibility that Sterling does play in the number nine role occasionally through the season. I, I think it's – yeah, I think occasionally he does. I mean, yeah, so you saw with some of his finishing later in the match that maybe – you know, there's a reason that he, he's not the forward, you know, for that team. Um, although he sort of kind of plays like one anyway. Or the, um, the uh, lack of decision making ability when there was that breakaway <laughs> laid on with him and Kyle Walker and Kyle Walker yeah. is like, hello, just 
All you have to do is pass the ball to me and right. we're good. But the and larger he, point is, yeah, but the larger point is that he gets himself in those positions, you know, and more times than not, something comes out of it from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, right, like, right, right. And goal or an assist. Any other takeaways? I, I you know, I Liverpool, yeah. I thought looked kind of, I'm um, oh, sorry, I I asked you the question, then I started to answer it. So what, <laughs> what were their takeaways? Well, let's talk about some of the other players. We had the Liverpool defense, for one. Virgil van Dijk with the assist to Joel Matip. Van Dyke looked to be Van Dyke maybe tied with Andy Robertson had the best games uh, of all the defenders. Trent mm-hmm. looked kind of off the pace. He got skinned a Subbed. few times yeah. by City. And, 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 you know, what we saw so many times last season, Trent got the early sub. So I, I still kind of stand by what I had said in our Liverpool preview in which Trent really has the best on Robbo in terms of crossing stats. And I think that he's, likely to be the most improved this season but i'm losing my nerve with trent hmm. based on uh the preseason coverage and what we saw in the community shield you start to gravitate to the safer options and my eye was definitely toward robertson and van dyke again uh, i think he's just the most solid fpl option going into game week one that's why he's the most owned player so he's the van- yeah, Go on. first first player in your fan. If you, if this is the first time you've ever played fantasy, um, and you're just listening to this podcast to find out what to do, just make him the first player in your team, right? Like, just yeah. make him the first player in your starting eleven. Yeah. Um, he's highly owned, so there's a kind of safety there, right? Or I should say, a kind of coverage element, which yeah. is that you know, I mean, if he does anything well and you don't have him in your team, uh, it's really going to hurt you. Uh, but he's also he's a great player. He's a locked in starter. He actually should have should have had a goal today too, right? I mean, barely missed that by centimeters, right? Totally. Like ten centimeters yep. or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And the last the last player I'll point to is KDB, which, uh, which we talked about him coming up with cramp. But there's a lot of concern because there were so many unknowns around De Bruyne last season because he was mm-hmm. so injured, and when he did play, occasionally he was played playing deep. I thought in the Community Shield, you saw the best of what kdb could do for your fpl team he was making runs into the box he was arriving uh into the attack he was playing farther forward but he was still playing his box-to-box role i i'm excited at this prospect the fact that it looks like he's not 100 match fit not that he's injured or anything but he's just not quite match fit i'm a little concerned about reasonable starts and playing the full 90 week in week out with him just at the start of the season. Yeah. I, I think that could be a season long worry too. I mean, you know, Pep made comments, you know, to the end of the last season that he's going to have to watch KDB's minutes a little more carefully. And uh, ever since he made those comments, I've been a little wary of, of having him as, as a 9.5 million, you know, player in my team, you know, just because I do think that uh, he may be one of those players who, you know, is, is a little more prone to Pep Guardiola rotation than some of the others, you know? So, um, yeah, so I think we're on the same page with basically all of it. I, I'm, I'm not as worried about trend as you are, um, mm-hmm. you know, just preseason working out the kinks. Um, you, if you didn't convince yourself with your trend <laughs> argument, you did convince me. So I have my, okay. <laughs> I, I have him in my, uh, my bus team right now. Uh, so, uh, should we just, I, maybe before we get into, so this podcast, we're going to, you know, take a look at game week one, obviously. Um, the big thing we're going to do in this podcast is talk about some unanswered questions. Um, we're really going to try to break down the, the 6.5 million 
forward debate, uh, which I think is a big question that basically everyone is trying to figure out. Huge. It's massive. So many, so many players in there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to look at, you know, the actual fixtures, captains for game week one. Uh, but I thought we could also just talk about our current teams, where they are right now, what they look like. Um, I will readily admit that the team that I reveal on this podcast will probably look different uh, come Friday. Um, okay. Although we will be doing a Patreon podcast where we... Uh, you know, uh, Thursday night after the transfer deadline, I'm going to uh, do a Patreon podcast. You're welcome to be on that with me, Brandon. I'm going to do a kitchen table pod. We could do it together. We could do it separate. Let's let's talk about that offline. Okay, um, I'm inclined yeah. for you to just reveal your team, and I can keep my team a secret. That that, that <laughs> okay. works better for me. All right. So, all right. Here is my here is my starting eleven right now, uh, subject to change. Although, I mean, I'd say that you know, a good seven of these players are are locked in. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's tinkering at the margins, really. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, in goal, I have uh, Ederson. Uh, just I have decided that this is the year I am not going to spend the entire season worrying about goalkeeper rotation and swaps. Yeah. And I'm just going to bring in an expensive six million goalkeeper and just start them. And now I am I am suddenly getting nervous about this because there is now this concern that Claudio Bravo has played so well that maybe he gets one one additional start possibly before Ederson yeah. comes into the team. Uh, I like this which, as a title of your uh, memoir, The Year I Stopped Worrying About My Goalkeeper. Yeah, but now I'm worried again. Uh, <laughs> so, so we'll see. I mean, the part of me would just love to have Allison and just like, and just, you know, and just have him. But I just don't think you can do it. Um, just it's so... Yeah. Ugh, it just it, it's you, against you, the rules, Josh. Yeah, you just you'd miss out on bonus points, you'd miss out on goals, you'd miss out on assists. It's just it's not quite worth worth it. Where I think I think it's actually a little easier to get by with only two Man City, you know, like I don't know, like I, I there's no Man City defender that I'm just so in love with that I want to have them over Ederson, you know, um, yeah. because he's kind of the cheapest way into that into that defense. So um, that's o- what Odomendi's Odomendi's uh, frosted tips didn't really yeah. draw just, you into. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with those center backs. I don't want to deal with Kyle Walker. I don't yeah. want to deal with whatever's going on and left back. I just like just give me Ederson and and get me out of there. there uh, all right. So I, I mean, I've got a four four two. Okay. So uh, mm-hmm. in the defense, I've got Van Dyke and Trent. Okay. Those are my two defenders. Uh, I also have Lucas Dean who unbeknownst to me is suddenly becoming less popular in the, in the fan, at least, at least in the, uh-huh. at least in the fantasy uh, nerd sphere that I, uh, that I also occupy. Um, there's suddenly a lot of concern that uh, Adrisa Gay, who is a decent, but not spectacular player by any means, uh, the, the loss of him is going to, uh, I don't know, render the whole back line, um, Uh, unusable or something never Uh, did the footballing community care so much about adrisa gay until uh, until this moment yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly uh, went into uh uh, he never saw a yellow card challenge that he wasn't willing to make and uh, exactly and he protected his defense by clattering into every midfielder it's the loss of him and and Kurt Zuma, which uh, I, I guess a lot of people are are worried about. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why, because I mean Keenan and, and Yerry Mina might actually be a better combination anyway. I mean Kurt Zuma was uh, he was just okay last season. So anyway, so I've got, so all that said, I'm I don't I don't share the concerns. I mean I, I you know the attack is a bit of a worry. I don't know if you've been following any of Everton's offseason. I don't know if they've scored a single goal in the preseason. Been, have they? Yeah, like they scored one goal by like some random like academy player or something, and like that was pretty much it. Um, you know, real problem up front. I mean, now that now they have um, 
is it Mo- Moisey Keen? Is that how you say it? I'm actually not sure how to say their new forward's name. I wish yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not yeah. sure either. And it's going to yeah. be tricky because they have Keno in the defense, and now they've got a second Keen up front. So right, it'll be right. Keen one and Keen two. We'll have to give them Star Wars droid esque <laughs> names, where it's K nine five seven. Yeah, or it's pronounced completely differently, and we're just doing what we normally do, which is just mispronounce everyone's names uh, terribly. So um, I've got. Uh, uh, anyway, so just to get back to my my team here, um, now that I've okay. now that I've tried to silence the haters on the Everton defensive front, uh, I mean Lucas Dean is amazing, and honestly, you could get Lucas Dean only for goals and assists. Like that alone would make him worth his price, in my opinion. Uh, even if you so. didn't didn't get clean sheets, uh, and then the fourth defender that I have right now, um, subject to change, is I have Charlie Taylor from Burnley. Uh, 4.5 million, um, very much locked down, um, as one of the, uh, as one of the fullbacks in uh, Burnley's team. Um, he, I, you know, they, so they have poor fixtures in game weeks two and four. Uh, and so I would only, I would actually only start him in game week one. And then I would, I would, the, I would have him though for game weeks five through nine when they have a really nice run of fixture five through eight, I guess. Um, and so I'm not sure it's, you know, the problem there is that I, I, I really like him for game week one. I, you know, it's sometimes it's it's like you always want to get off on the best foot possible. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's maybe the four point five million defender that I most want for game week one. Um, I don't really want to deal with any of that Watford nonsense. Um, like it just always seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I think I, I saw I saw that Craig Cathcart is making a real uh, run at game week one. And I am truly, truly perplexed by this. It's just too it's it's too nerve wracking, right? They just rotate way too much uh, back there. So so it's Taylor for now as my fourth. Uh, I, I've also been tinkering with a three five two, Brandon. So I'll, I'll you know got a lot a lot of a lot of, a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire right now, um, and maybe Sounds I'll just like go it. back to to I mean I have four three three still is appealing to me as well. So I got like okay. a lot of different things I'm considering, Brandon. <laughs> uh, all right, so in the midfield right now, I've got you sound re- like Jonty right now, which you you've got every base covered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. I'm trying to go for some real balance here, though, if I if if possible. I I, I actually don't think I have it as well as I want it right now because I I don't like my forward line. It feels a little too cheap. Uh, but in the midfield, I've got Sterling and Salah, kind of the uh, the two essentials, in my opinion. You've if you were just to, yeah. Yeah, again, if you were starting from scratch and you didn't, you know, maybe you want to be different. Maybe you want to be a little out there. I would still have Van Dyke, Sterling, and Salah as like the three players that I would just lock into your team, right? Just Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I I thought we'd be on the same page there. So after that, I've got Lucas Mora, uh, who I think is flying a little bit under the radar as a a midfield option. Yeah. Pretty solid last season. It's a spectacular offseason. Uh, owned by 8.7% of managers. Scored again today. Uh, scored again about, I think, a week and a half ago or so. Um, has We have seen him. He's, he is capable of like really destroying bad teams, too. Um, and... And lo and behold, uh, Spurs play two bad teams in two of their first three fixtures. Uh, they play Aston Villa at home and Newcastle at home in game week three. So the only issue with Lucas is you probably do want to bench him for game week two. And so uh, any any you know team that you set up is going to have to be you know nimble enough that you can have him on your bench in game week two. Uh, I like the we, Lucas Mora pick. I really do. I think it's smart on your part, and I think it's just on the right side of the coverage pick argument, where everyone is kind of trying to figure out a way to shoehorn Kane up front in their team. And Lucas right. Mora plays 
you know, sometimes farther up the pitch than Harry Kane does. Yeah, Kane is Kane is more of a central him. central midfielder at this point who is good on set pieces uh, and uh, and takes pens. Um, yeah, I would I would say that like yeah, Son and Lucas seem more like the forward. They they still have their legs. I think that's the biggest that's the biggest difference. Um, that was like a little subtle dig on poor Harry yeah, Kane. But I, like, I'm not going to go so far as to <laughs> dig on Harry Kane, and, and you'll, Harry you'll know why when we get to my bus team. But yeah. I do I, I like I yeah. like Mora. I like I love I love Harry Kane. Super hardworking player, loves the game, you know, but it's, it's, it's had a bad run of injuries. Uh, and then I've got uh, Bernardo Silva, who um, I'm not going to talk about too much because I don't think he's going to stay in my team. Um, yeah, I think I, that's the opposite of Lucas Mora, right? He's on the wrong side of the coverage argument. Yeah. The thing about Bernardo Silva is I'd really like him if I had a draft team, you know, like if I had a team where I was just going to keep him for all 38 game weeks, you know, um, I think he'd really be appealing. Um, I don't it's hard for me to really to like to look you in the eye not that i'm doing that because we're recording this over the interwaves but to look you in the eye and tell you that bernardo silva is a better option for the first five game weeks of the season than ryan fraser i don't know how i could do that like that is it would, i would be a liar brandon and <laughs> you'd, would, be, you'd, yeah. be, you'd be in your rights to call me out on it so yeah, i don't like uh, liars yeah but i do like him i like him for value i mean i just like i just think an, an eight million Players pretty locked in as a starter for Manchester City. They score a boatload of goals. Um, it, you know, you like it's not a bad thing to have multiple attacking players from that team in your squad, especially if you can get them for for a good price. So that 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 is the appeal of Bruno Silva. It's almost like a it's a it's a value pick more than like a like that I that I love him or really want to have him. So yeah, uh, so it makes it kind of easier to. Sh- to get rid of him if I don't want him. So, uh, and then I've got uh, uh, Josh King and uh, Wood up front right now. And uh, Wood is kind of my other punty player. Um, has just had a great offseason. I don't know that I can really have Wood and Taylor. I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really tinkering right now. And, I, you know, we're going to talk about uh, these cheap forwards in a minute. Um, and I'm hoping that it'll help me to sort up my own thoughts on forwards because um, I sort of feel like it's all, they're all coin flips. You know, like it's like you could sort of, you know, like someone's gonna look like a genius and someone's gonna look like a fool, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, but in the end, well, that's why we have free transfers, Josh. I think going. Yeah, exactly. Everything is so much a mystery. I mean, the the real trick is to be able to make the right transfers going into game week two, three, four, five. But going into game week one, we can't beat ourselves up over not being able to predict the future. You're going to hopefully the hope is that you land one or two of these marginal picks. Not all of them are going to work out. uh, But if they do, then maybe you have a chance of winning FPL this season. Yeah, exactly. And the whole trick of the game is to is to just move a little faster, right? To get there one right. week ahead, you know, all the time. Um, and then uh, my bench is kind of your classic uh, bench, which is Greenwood, Dendocker, Lundstrom. I feel like that's basically what like everybody has on their that's bench. That's what I have. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm sort of like I'm willing to rethink the Greenwood thing. You know, um, I would even be willing to to maybe shift to a four three three. Um, and, and upgrade him to one of these 6.5 million players. Um, I think he's probably slightly overrated as a player that we really want to have, but I don't know, 4.5 million striker who is probably going to start from Manchester United. It's, it's kind of hard to say no. Right. And, uh, surely you have Daniel Button as your backup goal or David. No, Button, I've, I've got Stecklenburg. Uh, I don't, I don't like having those popular <laughs> 4 million, uh, that's true. That, that's a price fall that's just waiting to happen. Totally, All right, shall I go totally. through my bus team here? Yep, go for it. 
Okay, so I also have Ederson. I'm going premium in the back. Totally agree with you in terms of he's the pick of all of the Man City defensive assets. Also, it's made even easier by the fact that Laporte is currently injured. Right. Uh, so I I guess I haven't really fully engaged when in the 4.5 goalkeeper rotation debate. I think Pope plus Heaton, the rotation of Burnley and Aston Villa, some people are backing that, but... I I can never get that goalkeeper rotation right, and I do feel much more comfortable with a good set and forget. I mean, the Aston Villa, like, there's no no one knows what this Aston Villa defense is going to look like, right? It's like completely remade from scratch, and like, I mean, we saw with Fulham last year, like, when you just take a bunch of players, no matter how good they are, and just shove them all together, like, you don't necessarily know what's going to what that's going to look like. I mean, you know, one thing we talked about in our team preview is what well, didn't Aston Villa give up the joint most goals of any team in the top half of the table last season in the championship. Yeah, they, they did until they brought in Tyrone Mings who helped and they have signed Mings to a permanent deal. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're then basing your premier league clean sheet odds solely on Tyrone Mings and your central defense, right. You know, you're, you're kind of out there on the, on a limb. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm with you, uh, but we'll 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 talk a little bit more more about that with my defense because I actually have Maddie Target as my 4.5 defender right now, who would start hmm. in my 4.42. And I hear what you're saying, like, what will they look like? Will it be bad? Will it be good? They don't have an excellent record, but Matt Target has he himself has a good personal record. Maybe it's like a Fulham Homer pick. Uh, and when he played, when he started at Southampton. Uh, can make nice runs up the right-hand side. But after the Spurs match in game week one, Villa, if it if Villa do look good, then this is a pretty great run. It's mm-hmm. home Bournemouth and Everton, then Palace away and West Ham home. That's a really nice four-game week stretch for me to basically test the waters with Villa and see, see how they look. Um, and maybe that's just a transfer um, waiting to happen. But if I'm looking at all the other 4.5 defenders, I didn't see any others that really jumped out at me. And Burnley, probably Dyche. Well, we know that Dyche has a better defensive record than the unknowns of mm-hmm. Aston Villa. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just not feeling Burnley at the start of the season. So beyond target, the uh, other three in my back four, Van Dyke. And as I said, I'm kind of uh, losing my nerve with Trent a little bit and I've swapped Robertson in for the moment and I've cheaped out on Everton and I've gone with Seamus Coleman at 5.5.5 cheaper than Lucas Dean honestly I like Lucas Dean better than Coleman but going back and looking at that Everton preseason goal scoring um, record we were talking about Josh one of those goals was scored by Seamus Coleman (laughs) that's true yeah true Um, I kind of feel like maybe they're interchangeable. I do favor Lucas Dean just because he is that set set piece specialist. Um, but I'm willing to take that point uh, five uh, to the bank just to just to spread it elsewhere. So look at my midfield. Uh, it's Salah and Sterling. Uh, when I spoke to Dave Wagner Lodal on our Patreon exclusive podcast last week. I had three Liverpool in the back and I was getting very nervous about Salah. So I had to sacrifice someone and poor old Kevin De Bruyne had to make way. It -hmm. was that cramp at the end of the community shield that sealed his fate. (laughs) Poor guy. Wow. One cramp. cramp. Oh man. And the fact that Salah just looks so good in the, he looked, he looks so lively. And 
We'll talk more about captaincy options uh, between Sterling it's just, and Salah it's, for game It's week not one, fun. It's, it's, I mean, you know, I don't like to have like a very – like I like to have some team – a team that has like a bunch of risks in it, you know, as much if not more than, than anybody. But like, you know, it's just – it's not fun to get off to a bad start, you know, and just – and not having Salah on your team at all just feels needlessly risky, you know. I mean given that you can just yeah. – move off him so easily you know if uh if it's yeah. not if it's not working right. so yeah so yeah. i i totally understand why you did it and i would have done the same thing uh, my two other midfields are uh midfielders are john mcginn and aozi perez i i have put on record on this podcast my love of james madison and mm-hmm. the madison hype train I can't afford him. You see me, I'm, I'm cutting corners in my defense with Seamus Coleman. Mm-hmm. I also had to knock Madison down to Perez. But looking at, I, I hesitate to put too much um, credence into the preseason results. Uh, a lot of these teams, it's not, they're not going for FPL returns. They're going for fitness. They're going for squad chemistry. Right. Uh, and, and all of that. But the fact that Madison has been, uh, entirely absent from the goal goal output of Leicester in the preseason, but the cheaper AOZ Perez, who looks like he could be playing right off of Jamie Vardy, uh, has. I think it's just really appealing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I, what do you think about AOZ Perez? Well, I like him. I mean, uh, I think he might end up in my team. Uh, is that a good preseason? Um, I think that he is. Uh, I think he is. I don't know. I mean, he's kind of an unknown to me. I, this idea, like, I'm not as excited about him. Well, there's a lot to like, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's he's cheap, for one thing. He is inexplicably classified as a midfielder going into this season. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, a 6.5 million midfielder on a team that's expected to be pretty good, that might even, mm-hmm. you know, challenge for a Champions League spot this year. Um you know, who's probably going to play now out of position as a forward, um, kind of in the Okazaki role behind Vardy. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot to like there. Double-digit goals last season, scored 12 goals. Um, I've never been particularly impressed by him as a player, you know. Like, I don't um, I don't rate him super highly, you know, but um, but I love the fit, you know. Um, and so, you know, I, I like him. I mean, like, it's sort of – he's a player I would I would kind of – I wouldn't mind waiting on, you know, I wouldn't mind yeah. waiting a couple of weeks and, and sort of seeing how he fits into that team. I still wonder if Madison might be um, a slightly better option, like uh, just, you know, have more assists, uh, maybe a little more likely to pick up bonus points. Um, he has 0.5 million more. Um, I certainly don't want to be doubled up on uh, Lester midfielders. At least I don't think I do. Um, yeah. But, you know, so um, so I guess like I, I sort of like him, but I, I'm still ke- kind of keeping him at arm's length for the time being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I started to spread a little bit more money around to solve my fourth midfielder problem that was 5.0. Mm-hmm. We've talked too much about Jorginho at this point. So <laughs> yeah. Perez down, Madison down to Perez allows me to move Jorginho up to John McGinn. And John McGinn is probably the most exciting attacking player from any other promoted sides just based on what we've seen preseason mm-hmm. and i really like him and uh i i understand that it's really hard to predict how villa is gonna gonna look right after coming up from the championship but if anyone's gonna do the business for them i think it is john McGinn. so 5.5 yeah. 5, maybe another bargain 
I don't mind it as a as a little punt as a kind of risk. I mean, you know, that's that's like seems like that's like that. You know, if he's like the eleventh best player and you're starting eleven, that seems like a decent place to to take a punt. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather do that than have some five million player from a team where I kind of know exactly what I'm getting. You know, like a Mark Noble type or something where you're like, okay, yeah, right. yeah I'm going to get you know four goals and four assists from him. You know, over the course of thirty eight <laughs> game weeks, they will be on the pitch. Right. Right. Uh, okay, so my two strikers up front, it's Harry Kane, and I basically, um, all these compromises that I'm talking about are in an effort to get Harry Kane against at home against Villa in game week one, and then uh, again home in game week three against uh, Newcastle. Right. So I think those are two captainable fixtures for Harry Kane. Of course, we have a lot of competition for captaincies in my squad. I just, I don't really understand. I haven't. I haven't fully come to this um, idea in FPL of having too many premium assets in your side to create these captaincy dilemmas. So if I have Kane, Sterling, and Salah any given week, it generating some sort of captain dilemma. And what's the point of having all these expensive guys? Well, if let's you're not let's let's table that them. question because that's actually a question that that that's that has was was asked of us. So let's 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 yeah, uh, right. talk about that in a minute. Well, so you've got and, and Kane, we can, and then who's your other who's your other forward? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's another one that we can table because we are going to get into the six million six point five striker discussion. But it's uh, Che Adams at Southampton, wow. and I just think, like, kind of like John McGinn, he's one of these guys that um, you know his his reputation coming up from the championship precedes him and it seems fun it just he just seems like a fun player to have well i like it brandon i i feel like this is a team that was not built on twitter and uh, <laughs> i like that about it. it is it's it's very unique um i it's very different than mine actually too which is which is kind of fun and usually you and i end up in a very similar place with our team so um, I like that. I mean, we both have the basics, of course, you know, because you've got to yeah, have certain right. people. Uh, all right. So that that's where we are. I bet both of us end up making quite a few changes as everyone listening to this podcast probably will, you know, over the next couple of days as everything gets. I'm probably going to talk myself into Moisey Keen, Brandon, you know, when he comes in at a, a five million, you know. Uh, no, I'm sure he's going to come in at like seven point five or something. Yeah. The big yeah. the big worry is he comes in at seven or seven point five and it's impossible to get him into our size. Yeah. And, and that's why another... FPL is brilliant. Is another decision you have to make. So many this year uh all right brandon let's get uh so let's take a well, let's take a break i br- just briefly i wanted to note um so uh patreon if you would like to support the podcast uh you can visit patreon.com slash always cheating uh, you get access to one extra podcast each week during the regular season uh that is our kitchen table podcast where brandon and i uh, record on one of our respective kitchen tables and we talk about our team going even before, you know usually it's recorded about a day before the, the game weeks kick off uh, we also have access to a very active slack chat right now i kind of took a few days off when i was on vacation and i was like whoa there's like a lot going on here right now uh so um, active slack chat and um also access to uh, private leagues and t-shirts and uh, all kinds of cool stuff so i uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating to find out more uh we have so many thank yous we actually have over 60 new patrons since we last recorded uh, so we are going to, which we've never done before, and I, I'm sincere apologies to all the new patrons. We're going to table the thank yous until near the end of the podcast because um, it's just it's a, it's a the first game week of the season. We've got a lot to get to, and um, and uh, it's just going to take a little too long to run through those. So um, all the thank yous are going to come uh, near the end of the podcast. I'm going to put some extra pizzazz on these name reads, though, so it will be worth the wait. I promise right. you. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, all right. Take a quick break and let's get back with unanswered questions. 
Brandon, we're back. It's part one. We've got unanswered questions going into game week one. First question comes from FPL Chancer. He says, it's that time of year when managers start losing their nerves over the big of the back and go back to the glitzy attackers that make them feel better. You know, or that score lots of goals and, and win you your leagues. Uh, are you and Brandon similar? Or are you holding firm on a premium defense? Well, uh, as discussed with my bus team, um, less than a week ago, I had uh, Robertson, Trent, VVD, and Lucas Dean, and Ederson in my mm-hmm. back line. Right, right. And, and I wanted to find a way to get Harry Kane up front. I don't know why I'm so fixated on Harry Kane, and maybe I'm just looking at this as some kind of differential. But, yeah, I've clearly lost my nerve. And what what helped me think about this, Dan, mm-hmm. is – the Patreon podcast that we posted with Dave last week, we talked about uh, betting odds heading into the start of the Premier League season. And uh, some of the odds that we looked at were teams with great odds to have the most clean sheets and teams with great odds to have scored the most goals. Uh, first in clean sheets and first in goals would be Manchester City. Second in clean sheets and goals would be Liverpool. So it kind of just got me thinking I, I can't lose sight of the goals that Liverpool are going to score strictly in favor of these clean sheets. And secondly, I can't lose sight of the clean sheets that Manchester City are going to bring in. Probably one might guess more than they had last season. So I've come around to the idea that you simply have to ha- – it's going to benefit your FPL team to have a piece of both the defense and the attack, particularly on both these – uh, the best teams in the league in, in City and Liverpool. And that's sort of the more, um, I guess, nuanced argument of why I've done this. It's just beyond losing my nerve. I just feel like uh, it. it's probably the smarter way to play, frankly. Sure. I mean, you say lose your nerve and it sounds like it's like your manhood's under attack or something. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> you know, like do you get a little more sensible about certain things and, you know, a little tolerance for risk. I mean, you know, I think that uh, if anything, uh, not going to big at the back is a sign of uh, courage going into this season. It seems like basically everyone is uh, is going to have at least, you know, four premium defenders. I mean, I guess I've got uh, – I mean, I think that if you have um, – three expensive defenders and an expensive keeper, you basically do have a four at the back, right? I mean, that's like, it's kind of the same thing, um, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, it's, I've never spent this much money on my defense before. Um, you know, I don't love it. You know, I mean, I talked about this, uh, not to keep referencing these Patreon podcasts, but I talked about it with FPL Stag. I mean, I have, you know, I have three top 2,500 finishes in the last like six, seven years or whatever it is. And, you know, each year that was like with a meat and potatoes, three, four, three, you know, like a very right. conventional, yeah. you know, last year I was three, four, three, the entire season at my best ever finish, you know? And so this idea that suddenly the game is so different, so fundamentally different than it was, um, you know, last season or any, any of the previous seasons that I played fantasy, um, is a little hard for me to stomach. And, um, and I don't know that I totally agree with it. Although I do think that, the way the game week is shaped, like the way the season's shaping up the first maybe 10 game weeks, it does make sense to go back at the back. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's going to last. I suspect it won't. Um, I mean, this is a league that's more attacking than ever, you know, and um, um, and so you have to sacrifice somewhere. You know, you go back at the back sure. and you sacrifice the attack yeah. a little bit, you know. And so, um, I mean, you know, the idea of being loaded up on, you know, if I look at my team, you know, a few weeks in the season and suddenly I've got a bunch of Leicester and a bunch of Bournemouth and, a, you know, it's like, if I'm just like bloated up on mid-table attackers, I just don't know that that long term is like 
going to be the best strategy for points. But, you know, um, so I'm sort of, I, I'm trying to find a little bit of balance, I guess, is the, let's, right. if I can wrap this up a little bit, my mini rant here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think balance is a key term there. And just a, a brief counterpoint in that has the game really changed that much from the heyday of the 3-4-3. And yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that it hasn't changed that much, but I think fullbacks are more important in the league than ever. And the attacking output that we see from them is important. And that's ref, that is reflected in our bus teams currently that are set up as 4 4 Right. Previous seasons, we would make a huge argument that if you're bringing in a 4.5 striker, that's just going to be an albatross for your team until you play a wild card. You're right. never going to be able to get rid of Greenwood, Mason Greenwood, um, until you play a wild card. And odds are he will at some point be phased out of the starting lineup if he ever gets there. And right. that could be a problem. So I think that that just does point to us admitting to a degree that the game is is changing marginally. Yeah, but also, like, we, you know, eventually, you know, like, maybe it'll be these crazy attacking center backs on Sheffield United or something, or, you know, maybe uh, Southampton, you know, like, really puts it together this season defensively. And so, you know, it's like, I, I think that you can find cheap attacking players, you know, on these promoted teams or on some of the bottom half of the table team you know like a couple seasons ago in bournemouth you know got a got a europa league spot you know they were they're packed with with cheap players that allowed you to load them up on your defense and then spend that money up front you know and so right, right now we don't know who those players are and so it's kind of hard not to spend seven million on trent alexander arnold but like you know yeah if i can replace him with a 4.5 million player at some point and upgrade you know ryan fraser to sadio Mane, like yeah i'm gonna be doing that at some point um, you know, so that's, that's kind of where I am, right. which is, I guess I'm just, maybe it's just, um, some people are maybe a little more tactically nimble or something and they think it's a, you know, it's like for me, I'm like, it's like a, it's like a car with a bad wheel or something. Like I'm always going to be veering towards being more attacking, <laughs> you know, it's like I can try to overcorrect. Uh -huh. I can put two hands in the steering wheel, but I'm just inevitably, it's like the tide or something. It's always going to pull me towards, uh, towards being more attacking. It's just, it's just the style that I like, you know, and I also just think it's more fun. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like watching matches where I'm just like holding my breath over a clean sheets lost, you know? Sure. Uh, I've yet to meet a driver who thinks that their uh, steering wheel that's out of alignment is a fun car to drive, but, but I'm here for that. <laughs> I think that that's pretty important. Speaking of going big at the back, if you are truly going big at the back, what you're going to need up front are these budget attackers. So we have a question from Josh on our Slack. Mm -hmm. Who comes out on top between King, Jota, De Lefeu after the first six game weeks? So should we should we paint paint a big picture uh, in terms of the options here at 6.5 and 6.0? Yeah, I expanded this question, um, which was asked uh, a few people asked on Twitter as well. Um, I expanded to seven players because I think there's and honestly, you could have expanded this even further. Um, you could have added. Uh, is it Wesley? Is that how you say that name? The the yeah, on Villa? Villa. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't even add Wesley. Um, the, I, the dread pirate Roberts, uh, I didn't, he was, he was not added, um, <laughs> as you wish. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's just run through the seven that I have here. Um, which is, uh, we have Josh King, uh, we have a Jota, we have, uh, Delafeo, we have Wood, Adams, Shea Adams, your, 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 your new, your new boy. Um, hero. yeah, we have Billy Sharp on Southampton and we have Seb Hop. 
Aller. Allier. Is that how you say his name? Aller. Aller. Thank you. Seb Aller. I should just mm-hmm. take the H off there and easier to say. Yeah, All right. Exactly. So let, let's run through the good and the bad with these seven players. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I've listed some pros and cons for, for all of them. Okay. Okay. Uh, and let's just, let's just, let's just run through all of them and then we'll, um, I'll, I'll sort of list off a couple things then you can make some comments and then maybe we'll come to some kind of conclusion. Okay. I'll make some good comments probably. All right. And some John, bad. All right. Josh King, uh, they have great fixtures. Uh, he has a pretty solid track record. Probably. Um, I feel like people are dismissing his track record a little bit. Um, I mean, this is a guy who has scored you know, 16 goals in a season. Um, you know, so, uh, he's on pens as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the problem is, is he the third best option on this Bournemouth team, you know, and is it, he's playing next to a striker who's pretty clearly a better player than he is, I think, in Callum Wilson. Um, and they have a, you know, player who led the league in assists last season in, um, Ryan Fraser. So, you know, is that, you know, if you, if you don't want to double up on Bournemouth, which I kind of don't, is he the player that you want to have as your sort of one Bournemouth option? My concern with Bournemouth is, did they overperform last season? Okay, so uh, th- this is this is magical thinking, but I fear with Bournemouth, they are the type of team that could regress mm-hmm. and not put up the same kind of attacking output that they did last season. Um, I mean, I don't think David Brooks was the whole linchpin there, and now he's going to be out for, for three months. months but, yeah, yeah. Uh, that said, I think King King still feels King feels to me like the second favorite option to me. Um, whether and okay, this is tricky, right? I think King is the second favorite option. Whether it's Fraser or Wilson that's number one, I kind of don't know. Mm-hmm. But re- regardless of who you think is the best pick, King still feels like the second best option. But the fact that he does have penalties, he said in some interview uh, last week, his, I think his target was something like 20 goals, and he's feeling good about reaching there because he's in good form, plus yeah. he has penalties. So he's yeah. out there touting the fact that he's on pens for Bournemouth. Yeah, and going for and going for goals, and those fixtures really just just to just to re-highlight them. I mean, it's uh, you know, so they have one bad fixture, Man City game week three. Other than that, it's uh, two promoted teams back to back to start the season. Um, they had Leicester away, which is uh, okay, but you'd expect them to score in that match. Uh, then Everton, Southampton, West Ham in game weeks five through seven. So it's a really solid run. Even even game weeks eight and nine, it's Arsenal and Norwich. Uh, I think those fixtures are fine. I mean, so you can get through. 25% of the season with uh, with really only one truly bad fixture in the in Man City in game week three. Uh, and even that one's at home. So it's not like you need to bench your, your Bournemouth assets. So, I mean, I would, I, I, you know, maybe I'm just like a little, it, it feels weird to me to have two Bournemouth players um, to start off the season. It just feels like overkill, um, yeah. you know, especially because their prices have all gone up a little bit. So if I have, King and Fraser, I have you know fourteen of fourteen million of my hundred million is spent on Bournemouth assets. You know, for a team that scored what like forty four points uh, total last season, it just seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, but this is fantasy, and it's not it's not the table. It doesn't you know this. I mean, you know whether they lose a game five four or win it five four or whatever, it doesn't really matter as long as uh, they're all scoring points. So right. um, you know, so I, I think he's in my team right now, but um, I'm, I'm willing to to reconsider still. Uh, all right, so let's, let's move on to Jota. Um, I wrote uh, bad fixtures, great player. Um, I I just really like Diego Jota. I think he's a fantastic 
you know, I just, you know, he had a little bit of a slow start last season, but when he came on, he was, he was fantastic. Um, you know, I worry a little bit about them because of the Europa League, and I don't think their fixtures are great. Um, I suppose you could add there's a little bit of worry now about whether he is like a locked-in starter. I mean, do you see any worry there? Um, you know, with I don't, um, yeah, I don't that that young, uh, yeah, with Catron coming in. No, I think that that squad depth for the Europa League. I mean, maybe if Catron shows that he has a flair for the Premier League, then maybe there's some rotation, but. There is nothing that needs changing about that Wolves starting 11 from last season. They look fantastic. But I share your yeah. concerns. The Europa League and the bad fixture start kind of takes Wolves off the table to the start of, for the start of the season. That's really disappointing because of all the strikers on this list, Jota is probably my favorite mm-hmm. and the one that I think would have the best odds of, of outperforming them all. But you just can't own him. At the start of, the, I feel personally that you just can't own him at the start of the season. So, love Jota, but you, can, but uh, he's off the table for me. I think so too. I mean, it's just Leicester away, not a good fixture. Man United at home, okay, but I mean, it's not like you'd expect them to score four in that match. Um, you know, Burnley at home could be a tricky fixture. Uh, Everton away, Chelsea at home. It's play Man City in game week eight. Plus, they have these Europa League demands. It just. Does not feel like sensible, you know. Like, yeah, you can maybe start him off. You, you could, you could probably play him for the first three fixtures and get away with it. But it just, it doesn't feel like the smartest. I, I agree with everything you said, basically, which is that he he could overperform his fixtures for sure. Um, yeah, and he's he's a really good off season as well. Um, if you just want to have a talented player, you know, who could just who maybe he's probably of these players in this list. I would say he's the one who is least fixture dependent. You know, so right. I guess that would be an argument in his favor. Um, although, do we maybe see a little bit of rotation once the Europa League starts? I think it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. it is possible. All right. What about De La Feu on Watford? He's also priced at 6.5. You've yeah. noted that uh, De La Feu has good fixtures, but he is in, always an injury worry. And we saw some rotation with Jerry D last season so where do you stay you're yeah. you're a huge he was, fan he did wonderful things for your fbl team <laughs> I, last d- I do i do like del feo i mean he scored 10 goals five assists last season that was after not playing the first eight or nine matches of the season but i just a muscle injury is one of those things that really he was actually in my squad until he got injured and now i'm too scared to bring him in you know they hope that he'll be ready for game week one and i just ugh, like no one wants to go into game week one with a player that you hope you yeah. know cracks well, you the know, squad the cranberry, the cranberries said it best when they said that muscle injuries do linger. Uh, <laughs> so do. it is a worry. Yeah, and so and he's already a player who's prone to get subbed fairly early on in the match. And so if he's got a muscle injury, there's no way he's playing 90 minutes, you know, in any of these early matches. And so, um, you know, I liked his run of fixtures a lot. Um, you know, Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, and through their first four. Uh, but I think because of the injury worries, it's just I'm I'm just not going to take the risk. And so, are you with me there? I'm totally with you. Yeah, let's move on to Chris Wood, Woody. the great large Kiwi. Yeah, That's right. Uh, 6.5. We know about your great love of Burnley and their um, opening set of fixtures, and Chris Wood has been a madman in the preseason. Yeah, Scoring for fun with Burnley. So he's in your side. Sell me on Chris Wood. Well, okay. So I think that one thing, if you know, if I don't play a wild card early or maybe you know if, I, if it, it takes me a few weeks before i ultimately play it i think what i would like to do is is spend my transfers 
you know, it's always a dangerous game to play. You can't plan a transfer. But um, assuming no massive injury worries, I would love to just sort of flip my forward position among different players, you know, my, my, my mm-hmm. sort of second or third forward, however my team shakes out. And so I, did, I just really like Chris Wood for game week one. Um, mm-hmm. And then I – and actually even game week two, I wouldn't mind. I mean Arsenal away, Arsenal's back line is like – it's a mess right now. And so if, if I had Wood for that one as well, I wouldn't I, – I'd, I'd be okay with it. But, you know, I wouldn't mind also just moving him on to someone else in game week two, you know, and just sort of just sort of shifting all of these, you know, forwards around a little bit. And so, so that's my argument is that I like him um, for one fixture <laughs> – uh and then uh i don't mind him for the game week two and then i i wouldn't mind having him for that run between game week five and eight so yeah uh, i I do think ashley barnes's exploits over the last couple of seasons have really outshone chris wood and i think that he's gotten the short shrift i think chris wood is a great striker for what he is on the team that he is and he should be fit for a lot of FPL sides. So yeah, I I, I like yeah. the pick. Uh, I'm not just I'm just not sure when to deploy him. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you know, it's the, the people's expectations can be a little too high. I think for some of these uh, cheapish players in your team, right? And we're still ultimately talking about a six six you know six million or six point five million player. And you know, it's like yeah, you can take a risk on a on a Wesley or whatever. But I mean, you know, Chris Wood has back-to-back seasons of scoring double-digit goals in the Premier League, and so there's a kind of safety in that. Like, at least we know mm-hmm. that he is like a confirmed double-digit scorer in the Premier League, which is yeah. you know more than I mean, one of these, one of these big, you know, or big or you know what relatively big um, forward signings is not going to come off, right? Uh, but there's no way in my mind that Chris Wood has fewer than ten goals this season. So. Well, then let's let's. Yeah. Can you can you tell me what you expect from a six point five million striker? Do you want a goal or an assist every other game? Would a goal or an assist every three games do it for you? Be enough to keep somebody like Chris Wood in your team? I mean, that's yeah. outside of the idea that you're constantly trying to make. Uh, intelligent transfer moves yeah. week to week and maybe two goals these, a game these... is really what i'm looking for so <laughs> uh-huh, how many games sure, are in the season 30 so 76 goals is what i what i, I guess it's the uh, baseline an attack and return every other match i guess would be what i'd be looking for I, i'd at least be looking for a Giroux, as we call it mm-hmm. you know a five point return sure. uh yeah. made famous by olivia Giroux, who just constantly whether it was whether it was one goal and a bench coming off the bench or one assist you know a headed pass or something drew was just the master <laughs> of the five point return so if you know you want to kind of average out something like a Giroux over the course of you know a few game weeks so that can be i mean a Giroux is a an eight pointer and a two pointer averages out to a Giroux, right so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you know eight pointer two pointer and a five pointer and uh if, the, if those are the, the returns i got from one in the first three fixtures i'd be pretty happy with that you know i'd be i think that was okay yeah, yeah i'd live you with that agreed too. yeah yeah yes i do all right so who's next we got your boy che adams yeah okay so we're finally dipping into the cheaper price bracket and what makes adams uh so much more appealing is he's six million so you're saving 0.5 over the rest of these other guys um I think in the championship, he was second only to wait. No, it was, he was somewhere in the realm of Tammy Abraham and Pookie in terms of his goal output. Uh, well over 20 goals, to say the least. Um, and you have a note here that Southampton's fixtures are not that great. And I'm looking at their fixtures. They are away Burnley to start, then home Liverpool, away Brighton, home Manchester United. 
Then in game weeks five and six, it's Sheffield United and Bournemouth. I'd say that these are less bad and more mixed. And that's just based solely on the um, outcome that what if Southampton started the season and they were good? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a guarantee. But if Southampton start well, I think the only really bad um, unplayable fixture I hear see I see here is game week two, uh, home Liverpool. That said, it's at home. So I think the away fixtures are really desirable and the poor fixtures are at least at home for Southampton. So Shea Adams is somebody I can live with as a punt. Okay, that that's fair. And and five and six are are good. Although then again, you know, seven and eight are, are very it's funny. They're if if you want to look at one team that really got screwed, uh, it kind of depends on how you look at it, I guess. Maybe it's more of a fantasy perspective here. But looking at all thirty-eight weeks of their season, I'm like, ugh, like what like when am I gonna have some Southampton players? I actually I kinda like their defenders. Like I'm sort of I'm sort of interested in them as a, a team that could could improve a lot this year as well. Uh, and I'm like maybe in game week 14. So like come Thanksgiving time, Brandon, I may have a little yeah. run with, uh, with some Southampton defenders and then table them and then come Valentine's day, I might pick up, uh, another defender and then that'll be it for the rest of the season. So, uh, it's kind of a weird, it's just a weird run for them where they don't have any of those, like, you know, like Everton have like what seems like 14 good fixtures to, to kick things off, you know? And, uh, it just, I don't know. Like, it seems like Southampton never really have that like really nice, easy run this year. All right. We've got two more strikers to talk about. First of which is Billy Sharp, who was in my tinker last week. And, uh, Dave absolutely savaged me on our <laughs> Patreon pod for having Billy Sharp. Right. Um, so going back to the idea of the, uh, the bookies odds, the bookies odds are that Sheffield United are going down and yeah. they're going to be yeah. the lowest team in terms of, Scoring goals. So, yeah, Billy Sharp might have a great goal scoring record, but he is going to be on a team that is going to be the whipping post for the rest of the Premier League. I am super interested in this team. Like I I'm really interested in this fighting center backs thing that they got going on. Um, I think I think that they're they're it's creative. It's different. They're a team that I think a lot of people could really like. Like I think that they could be. kind of a a neutral favorite this year um just because they are sort of they're like clay that could be you know it's like we don't really know what we're going to get with this team at all Uh you know i mean you know i think with the other two promoted sides you have a better sense of what you're getting um maybe norwich is a little bit more of a question mark but um certainly with aston villa they're kind of aston villa are sort of building a more conventional west ham style team i would say um, you know, so I think, um, I don't know. So I, I think that they're, uh, I think I agree with you though. It's just that Billy Sharp, I was a sentimental pick. He was a player that I was really excited about as well. Uh, but in the end, yeah, are, they're probably gonna be the worst team in the league and he's a 34 year old striker. So we should probably look somewhere else. We sadly, probably move on to, yeah. uh, Aller. Yeah. Aller at West Ham. Came came in pretty expensively priced at seven point five mil, but this guy is yeah. like the king of all YouTube scissor reels right now. Yeah, it's it's really too bad that he's that he's so expensive. If he was even seven million, I think I would really, especially with West Ham, they have some pretty good fixtures. You know, I mentioned that I was uh, on a little stats bomb kick last night. You know, they said some great things to say about um, Alaire. This comes from stats bomb Brandon. Within the top five leagues in 2018-19, he had the eighth highest scoring contribution, so goals plus assist. Wow per 90 minutes overall and the third highest XG per shot of any forward. That's right. Third highest XG per shot of any forward in the top five leagues. 
those are outstanding stats. Um, you know, yeah. really, really intriguing. Um, unfortunately, you know, we just don't. I mean, you know, you can be a good player, but you know, if the fit isn't quite right, I mean, you know, you can't just plug anybody. I mean, maybe, maybe Zlatan. Outside of Zlatan, you can't just plug anybody in <laughs> and assume that they're right. going to score fifteen plus goals. You know, no matter so what they hope are. Zlatan is listening to this episode right now. He's going <laughs> to love you for that. Yeah, he's going to move to West Ham just to prove me wrong. <laughs> um, so you know, definitely intrigued, um, but I I think I have to wait. Um, it would just it's a little too. I might just wait one week. I mean, if he knocks in a goal on Man City, like, boom, I'm going to try to get him in for, for game week yeah. two. Um, yeah. You know, I actually, I don't know about you, but don't you kind of like the idea of keeping like 0.5 million on your bench um, just so you have a little bit of wiggle room going into game week two? Oh, yeah. To, there yeah. are, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There are so many ideas that I love that are basically impossible uh, for <laughs> right. me at this moment. But yeah. yeah, having a little money, a little rainy day fund in your FPL bank is a great idea if you can achieve it. Because, yeah, I think you may need this. This West Ham team is apparently just going to be all action and no defense. And, yeah, from an FPL point of view, that could be a lot of fun. And yep. um, hopefully we have a number of options. I mean, uh, Lanzini is is scoring quite a few goals this season. He's always been a fun player win fit to, uh, yeah. to go around with your FPL Yeah, well, it's sort of that, da- d- in that Danny Ings car- you know, category where it's, it just can't stay healthy. Um, well, yeah, so was the right. uh, was the Spurs forward who's uh, Eric Lamella, you know, midfielder, I should say. Um, yeah. All right, so that was uh, 45 minutes on that question, but I think it was uh, useful uh, to go through. Uh, next question, well, Josh. Right? Josh has been trying to get at a podcast a question on our podcast for a while, so I think it's fair that his well, his first pod appearance was a doozy. That's true, and that's J W S H. That was not me trying to get my own question Josh. on to Josh. So, I mean, having talked all this through, Brandon, has anything changed for you? I mean, do you um, have you gotten more excited, less excited? Yeah, I think I'm kind of talking myself. Uh, I'm warming up to the idea of Chris Wood, but uh, and and Aller, if I were to have the money, but I think I'm mm-hmm. still happy with this Jay Adams pick for the time being. Yeah, it'd be cool to have Chris Wood for one game week and leave a million in your bench so you could move to LAR for game week two. Uh, that would be some real high level thinking um, that would probably blow up when Mo Salah gets injured in game yeah. week one or something. But uh, I, cool, cool idea. I assume the reason that new always cheating patron saint Timu Puki, he didn't end up on this list just because the Norwich has like the worst fixture yeah. run of all time. I feel like we're just going to, yeah, we just have to t- table all Norwich discussion for a couple of game weeks and then we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll pick it up during like wildcard time. Right. Right. All right. Next. Uh, so next question, there's a lot to think about there. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I thought it was useful to go through those. Uh, Kloppenout says, how much do you take into account balance and flexibility going into a new season? And Brad, I'm actually going to pair this with another question. It comes from Jeff Petter. He says, how about just going big and having all three of Salah, Sterling, and Kane? He says, I know what the conventional answer is. I know what the safe answer is. Um, but if the answer to the question is, what if Kane goes off, then your most expensive striker is $8 million, And your response is, well, that's what I have free transfers on a wild card for. Then surely the same applies if you go all in with all three big guns and it doesn't work out. So, Brennan, you've right. gone with the big gun approach and uh, you're uh-huh. sort of agreeing with him there. Well, I yeah, I am agreeing with Jeff here. The idea that, well, that's what you have a wild card for. Um So, okay, so let me let me put it this way. You have a wild card, 
at which will a lot of us will play early because there are going to be a lot of unknown quantities that make themselves uh, visible to us after game mm-hmm. weeks two through three or one one through three. Right. That's that's why we need our wild card. We don't need a we don't need a wild card or a guesstimator to tell us that Harry Kane could actually go off. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you start with a balanced approach and maybe you have an more money invested up front, say in a premium like Kane or a Bamiang or even somebody as expensive as Jamie Vardy, that at least leaves you with some amount of flexibility to move into game week two or to game week three, because just, just to play a wild card so you can get in one premium player that is at that moment going off. It's not the kind of holistic approach I like to take when triggering my wild card. I want to I want to trigger the wild card because there are these three to four marginal players that we were just talking about, whether it's Chris Wood or Shea Adams or Iozzi Perez that you didn't have in game week one. Now you need to get them in. And now I need I'm looking at the next game week and I need to make three, four, five moves just to keep pace with the herd. That's when the wild card is needed. So I think balance um allows you to it well it, it gives you that more, much more flexibility but i think the point i'm trying to make with kane is i have a better idea of what kane is capable of mm-hmm. i feel like that's a less risky move going into game week one than going into game week one with de la Feu and diego jota um so it's it's flexibility but it's also premium assets you get what you pay for i feel like I am more able to predict my outcome in game week one because of that. Do you follow what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I, I understand. And I, I have a, my, my approach has changed a little bit over the years, I guess, um, where I, I do value balance more than I used to. And, uh, I don't like the balance if I have those three players on my team. And I think that sometimes, and I'm not saying that you're guilty of this yourself, but I think with some people, the thinking is a little warped where it's like, either you have Kane or you have King, you know, or whatever. And it's like, but that 4.5 million doesn't just improve one other spot. It can improve like four or five other spots, you know? Um, and it's like, it, it can upgrade you in so many different ways across your team. Um, and you know, all of those players suddenly become players who are much more likely to get attacking returns or clean sheets or whatever. Um, and you know, it, it upgrades a Coleman to a Dean, you know, or whatever. And so I, I think that for me, I just can't quite find the balance if I have all three of those players, because I think that my whole team sort of gets dragged down as a result, you know? And so, mm-hmm. so I do agree that it's better for game week one, but just over the long term, I just don't, I also, I mean, I just specifically have concerns about Kane, um, you know, and whether he's really, you know, going to suddenly become the 20 plus goal scorer again that he used to be, you know, um, I, I don't have deep concerns. I mean, I think he's still fantastic, but, um, I don't totally trust him right now. And, um, you know, he scored like what one goal in the preseason and that was a goal from a fluke goal from midfield, you know, as does time expired in a friendly. So, um, you know, so I don't know. He technically uh, yeah. scored a penalty in a penalty shootout. So uh, if we're counting those, t- then t- that's that's a, so he's, he's got a brace in the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, that sort of answers the question about balance and flexibility, which is that I, um, I value that more than I used to. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know, but I also like, I mean, I think that there, there's just, it's just like a time and a place, you know, I mean, it sort of depends on where you are in the season, you know, like there are, there are times during the season when suddenly, 
you know, um, a bombing and Kane will have like an extended run of just beautiful fixtures, you know, and suddenly you can sort of rejigger your entire team and you're like, well, I've got two 11 million forwards right now because, you know, this run is so good that I have no choice but to kind of go with a, right. a slightly unbalanced team, you know, and so it just sort of, sort of depends on, um, you know, where you are in the season as well. So, I mean, you know, I think you could definitely argue that with uh, with VAR getting introduced, uh, with home fixtures against two two teams that should be two of the worst teams in the league this year um and Aston Villa and Newcastle that came and, and a great captain especially if you captained Kane I think that he's even you know it's even more uh valuable to have him so um yeah so I, I do um um I do understand it uh even though I'm not going to go with that approach I I understand your reasoning Sure. All right. We have an, another question here from FPL Ant. If you were to indulge in one unproven asset, this is kind of a fun question. Mm-hmm. Um, I.e., a new, uh, new to the regular first team action in the Premier League, who would it be? The first one that comes to mind is uh, Christian Pulisic uh, on Chelsea. Mm, yeah, yeah. Where he's he's unproven in the league, uh, though he's looked decent for Chelsea when he's played in the preseason, and looks like he's integrating well into whatever's going on there in the Chelsea first team. So he'd be my one pick. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think it's, it's all air actually. Um, I think uh, he's got some of that Pascal gross type appeal, you know, where he kind of can score to score and assist. And, you know, I don't know. I'm sort of talking myself into him, Brandon. I don't know. I might okay. just, I might just do it. It's just that, that man city fixture is so annoying, isn't it? It kind of really, that's in game week one. It really kind of takes some of the shine off him. Doesn't it? It does. I mean, Manchester City is not bulletproof. No, uh, and no. if if you're if you're looking at these mid range to lower mid range players, all it takes is one little cheeky moment to get your money's worth from sure. them, even against a team like Manchester City. So if it's just what that one fixture that's throwing you off, maybe it's just worth yeah. going for it. Yeah, it, it may be. It may be. Um, all right. So, uh, I do think that's a good question. There's, there's a lot of other, like, I mean, I think Timu Puki is a player that I'm sort of excited to have at some point. I mean, I've, you know, based solely on how well he did last season in the championship, I'm kind of excited right. about, you know, what he can do. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you know, I, I love to hear other people's thoughts too. So, uh, you know, talk to us on Twitter or the Slack or, or whatever, let us know, um, who you're sort of inexplicably or maybe explicably excited about uh, going into the season. All right, we have two more questions here in this unanswered question section. Next one comes from Vinyl Richie. Could we please have your thoughts on Everton at the moment? I've gone from Siggy and Dean as nailed on in my team to not having any of them. They really are an FPL boogie team, but still have great fixtures. So you mentioned this at the start of the podcast. Mm-hmm. With somehow everyone has dropped off of Lucas Dean and the Everton defense with the news of Adresa Gay. And Siggy was one of these nailed on midfielders when we all started tinkering at the launch of the FPL site. And it's, they've been very quiet preseason and people are starting to get worried. You know, I've already kind of given my spiel. Um, I, I guess I am worried about the attackers a little bit. Um, I mean, the thing is, uh, Richarlison actually had a really good off season. It just, he did it with Brazil and not with, uh, with Everton, you know, so do you do you take that into account at all, Brandon? I mean, that he, he did quite well for Everton, uh, or yeah. maybe, I mean, for for uh, Brazil, you know, in the Copa America. I, t- I, I do take it into account in that it is him maturing and growing as a player. And I think that's got to give him a certain level of um, confidence playing with Brazil and scoring in a major tournament. 
in addition to Richarlison having uh, this penchant for getting off really quickly at the start of the season. So if there's any time to take a flyer on Richarlison, it's probably early on in the season, particularly with these great fixtures. Yep. And yeah, the same point I, I had made earlier in the what do we make of the preseason? It's it's not these teams aren't going out there trying to post points to a table. Yeah, they're just they're trying to accomplish other things than FPL points. So, um, I mean, they have been keeping clean sheets. We should mention that even mm-hmm. if they haven't been scoring goals, they've been keeping clean sheets. True. So your faith yeah. in the Everton defense should still be solid enough. Um, yeah, you know, it's this, the same gay business. I agree. It's the same back five, basically. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. I mean, I guess Mina in and out of that team a little bit, but Yara Mina is a highly rated player, you know, especially going into the last season he was. So, uh, yeah. And Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, veteran player. I mean, I don't, I don't really care how he did in the off season. Right. I mean, it's not, I don't think that has a lot of bearing on how he performs during the season itself. Yeah. Right. Uh, last question comes from the Dork Lord. We talked about Cutrone a bit, but he wants to know how Cutrone affects Jota and Jimenez as fantasy assets. You like how I put that put that little like accent on Jimenez? Yeah, it was impressive. Raul yeah. Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Um, so Europa League, uh, we would expect a certain amount of uh, rotation, and Cutrone certainly brought in to help with squad depth so they don't have to run Jota and Jimenez into the ground mm-hmm. with Europa and the start of the league. So I, as I mentioned, I do think Jota and Jimenez still have to be favorites for the starting 11 and Katrona's just backup. I so agree. I wouldn't be terribly concerned. And we'll actually know more uh, because this Thursday they have a qualifying leg of the Europa League that they play. Um, they play Pionic. Uh, on Thursday, and uh, then actually they play leg two the following Thursday. So um, you know that's what that's what you always love to see, right? Is two Europa League qualifying fixtures wrapped around your first uh, Premier League match of the mm. season. That's what every Chef's team kiss. Every team wants that. So we'll we'll know. I mean, you know, based on you know who starts in that starting eleven. By the way, isn't it sad that we have not talked about Matt Doherty the entire off season? That he's just this wonderful player who had this amazing season, and it's just <laughs> like he's just done now because he's too expensive. Yeah, uh, it is sad. He was so much fun <laughs> last season, but Ma- goodbye. We'll have fun later. Maybe, 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 Matt. Let's see. Get knocked out of the Europa League. <laughs> All right, let's take, a, let's take a quick break and we'll talk about game week one. Brandon, we're back. I want to take a moment to talk about our friends at Fantasy Football Hub. It is truly and I don't mean this, Brandon. I'm not. I'm just throwing this out there. A one-stop uh-huh. shop for all of your fantasy Premier League and Sky Fantasy needs. Articles, videos, hands-on tools, and podcasts like ours. Uh, they also have full coverage of the Sky game, as I just noted. Which, Brandon, it's very sad that we can't play that in the United States, isn't it? You know, we got to change uh, these <laughs> these broken gambling laws already. I, f- I feel like it's somewhat of a relief because I don't have uh, know if I have space in my tiny brain for another fantasy <laughs> game. But yeah. uh, I would I do like options. I would like to have it as an option. Me too. Probably. Me too. Uh, but some of the best voices and managers in the game are featured on there doing articles, uh, videos, podcasts, uh, lots of people that um, you're 
if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are familiar with, or at least some of these names you are. Uh, but you have Will Thomas himself, who is an outstanding manager, He's actually the guy who created Festival Hub, uh, but does a lot of video content himself. Um, just you know, really um, great, very clear thinker about how to succeed at fantasy. Uh, Matthew Jones, Adam Hopcroft, uh, Ben Krellen. Uh, so just lots of lots of different voices, uh, perspectives, um, and all presented in a way that I think is very clean and accessible. Yeah. And speaking of access, Josh, you can become a member of the Fantasy Football Hub and becoming a member, you gain access to a ton of great members only features, including the Opta data tool. You get fixture tickers, rate my team tools. It's also video and text guides that are perfect for this uh, starting point of the season. They have guides for how to win at FPL or the ultimate preseason guide. Also, Ben Krellen, notorious for his spreadsheets. He's got an exclusive FPL planning sheet up there. Over 100 member articles annually and weekly team reveals from some of these top-ranked managers. And here's the piece to resistance. Become a member of the Fantasy Football Hub and you gain entry into a members-only league that has a 5,000-pound cash prize. So for listeners of Always Cheating, you get 10% off your membership today. Visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. And when you check out with your membership, use the code always for that 10% off. Beautiful. Well said, Brandon. Very articulate. Uh, We will see you there. All right, Josh, let's close out this episode with the proper game week one preview. We have a couple listener questions just to flesh out our thoughts, but um, we're starting it off with a banging game week one Friday night fixture Liverpool hosting Norwich. A big topic of conversation uh, when we talk about this clump of fixtures is who are we going to captain? Because this breaks all of the always cheating rules. Do we captain a player in the very first fixture of the game? It's the very <laughs> first fixture of the bloody season, Josh. Mm-hmm, I know. And if something goes wrong with your most solid mm-hmm. captaincy, mm-hmm. then as it, it stands to to ruin game week one plus the rest of the season. Where are you with this fixture? I've got Salah as my captain right now. So I'm on the bus team. If I get hit by a bus, Mo Salah will be my captain going into game week one. I have a real itch to captain Raheem Sterling instead. Uh, and mm-hmm. that itch may get scratched. We will see. Uh, but uh, where I am, right, I think it's close. I think it's really close. Um, I think uh, Byron Bruce is a very own Salas or case for Sterling to be your game week one captain. I think, yes, there is, um, especially given some of the ambiguity about what's going on in the forward spot right now for Man City. Um, West Ham's defense, I mean, do we have any reason to think it's significantly improved? I mean, is there like something that <laughs> happened? Like, did they bring in anybody new? I mean, they have Fabianski who's a good player and uh, I, that's it. Right. I mean, it's just the same. There's running it back, you know? So I mean, that defense was terrible. It's a bad year. defense. Yeah. It's very bad. Yeah. I, I was invested in Balbuena for a long run. Mm-hmm. I could not get away from him. Mm-hmm. And it was miserable. Yeah. It was absolutely awful. Yes. And yeah, they, they haven't made any significant signings. And uh, now, I mean, the only case you can make there is FPL-wise that Fabianski might get his hands on a lot of shots. Sure. But beyond that, no, I, I, I like your thinking. I think the the fact that city is away is going to be a red flag to a number of managers but right. um as we know from past seasons manchester city will steamroll any team anywhere anytime totally. unless it's in the champions league knockout stages then it's 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 quite the, a tough ask at the same time is there a is is there a is there a risk of overthinking it here liverpool at home to a promoted team 
Friday night match kicking off the season. I mean, they're going to be pumped up for this match, right? I mean, this yeah, is but, like uh-huh. this is like a six nil win or something, isn't it? Like, I mean, I I don't see this as like a one nil squeaker, you know. I mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Norwich, you know, you know, God bless them. They won the championship last year. It should be okay this season. Um, but I just I see this as a pretty one sided match, even without uh, Saudi Amane back in the team. Yeah, I think you put it you put it pretty succinctly there, Josh. It's and um just that's that that was the takeaway right from the community shield is sala looked up for it and that's something that was one of your takeaways from last season right is when you ended up captaining sala ahead of a hat trick against was it burnley mm-hmm. it was because you saw him come off the bench the previous game week right. and he just looked sensational yep and i think Sa- sala is the type of player where you can track on form like that now you know you could basically say the same things about sterling but sure um i believe the overthinking it uh note is taken in this case yeah i there's a question from alex w says if you check to see if you have any fpl interest in every time slot over the opening weekend uh then denied that you would let this influence any squad decision you make but through pure fpl logic ended up with some of the friday game all three time slots on saturday and both on sunday Uh, i thought that was a very funny question and I, you know, reading this now, I realize that I am, it's, I'm staring on the barrel of going into the season with not a single player to play on Sunday, which would be yeah. kind of a bummer, you know? So <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a reason to get Aosie Perez into your team. I was just thinking that I was like, oh, maybe I have a pros, but so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if, uh, if Perez cracks my team. Yeah, uh, looking at the Saturday fixtures, we talked about City, West Ham, then it's Bournemouth, Sheffield United. So this is where a lot of people who are going heavy Bournemouth, or at least just going with a Bournemouth attacker, are really hoping to make some hay. Burnley, Southampton, Palace, Everton. Palace have looked in dismal shape in the preseason. Yes, they, so they really have. Going back to what that we were saying about Everton. gone Ever- now. Very sad. Oh, the news <laughs> just gets worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse for all the Palace fans. But just what we were saying about Everton is um, this is a great place for Everton. to uh, Sellers, Sellers Park is not the best venue to go and kick off your season, but mm-hmm. you got to like the rods. Um, Watford Brighton, interesting match. And then it's Spurs hosting Villa, which we've, we've talked about Harry Kane probably enough. And I like your Lucas Mora pick there as well. So beyond city, West Ham Spurs Villa, what's the other match on Saturday that jumps out at you as, as the, the one to flag for FPL purposes? Well, the, I think the, the Bournemouth Sheffield United match for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I will have a Bournemouth player. Do I have two? Um, maybe, you know, um, I think, uh, I think the Everton palace match would be interesting too. I'm sort of curious what we, it's a funky 10 o'clock run, you know, or I know it's 3 PM in the UK, but for, for us, I mean, those four, they're all kind of bad fixtures in a way, you know, Bournemouth, Sheffield, Burnley, Southampton, palace, Everton, Watford, Brighton. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a fix, a group of fixtures that only a fantasy manager could really love. Uh, and I love them. I think it's great. Uh, I'll have, certainly have players in these matches. So uh, Watford Brighton yeah. holds a minor interest for in me just because I want to see what Brighton looked like under their new manager. Um, yes. yeah. You know, Burnley's Southampton, I'll probably only care about if I have Wood. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so the Sunday is kind of interesting, right? You've got um, Leicester Wolves, Newcastle, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea. Wouldn't you love to have a Bamiang if there's any way to make it happen? Like, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it would it would be fantastic. And it's 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 the story that I'm trying to tell with Harry Kane. Like they both cost 11 million. If it sounds like I'm I'm guessing that if you were given the choice, you had to have an 11 million striker for game week one. You'd go for a bombing over Harry Kane. Uh, That's a good question. I mean, for game week one. uh, No, I guess I would. Well, God, you know. I really am down on Kane right now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I might actually go with the Bamiang over, over Kane. Yeah. And if I looked at it in a, in a two-week run of fixtures, um, so you have a Bamiang for game week two versus Burnley, then, yeah, I, I do prefer a Bamiang. Yeah. In a way, it is truly hilarious that the only player that you can get from Arsenal with a, with a clean conscience is their by far most expensive player yeah. in Piero Bamiang. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I, they're, they're, I'm excited about... About Pepe, but I just don't, you know, I don't think you can have him yet. Yeah, right. I mean, this is a great way to end the game week with a pure watch, Manchester United, Chelsea. That's mm-hmm. going to be a, a loaded game at Old Trafford. Sure. Both teams. Um, I mean, Lampard bringing that old school um, energy to yeah. Old Trafford. Um, well, I, the reception like he'll it. get I'm is trying- a former Man City player there, too. You know, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a lot of love. Not a lot of love. I'm yeah. the The starting lineup alone for Chelsea is going to be utterly fascinating. Which of their three strikers is going to get the nod? Uh, how does Pulisic look? Because I'm very um, just emotionally invested as an American there, yep. and their defense too. Because I think um, once Chelsea's fixtures sort of clear up, I think their defense could be uh, a bandwagon. Yeah, uh, I'm. Ex- yeah, me too. I mean, Chelsea is kind of in that like Norwich category where I don't really know what to do with them yet. You know, I, yeah, our Man United are arguably in this category too. So I'm just kind of putting them aside for a couple of weeks. You know, and um, yeah. sort of I want to think about them around game week three or something. Um, final question comes from that Joe guy. Says, do you have any transfers in mind already for the future? So question looking ahead, Brandon. Uh man. I'm not sure I do. <laughs> I've kind of yeah. like I've kind of like put all of my brain power into game week one, and I don't. I don't have any. I, I can't think that far ahead. And I think this is also a a trap that managers can fall into: is the idea that well, and I've got this team for game weeks one and two. Then I make this move in game week three. This player to this player. And these plans rarely sort of you even get to the point where you can enact them because other fires need to be put out along the way. Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of teams that I'm sort of that I would be looking at, you know, um, uh, West Ham being one of them, possibly Southampton, too, actually. Um, you know, the, but yeah, it's it's not necessarily specific transfers. I mean, I have players like the like my, my puntier players, you know, uh, you know, right now I've got, you know, Bernardo Lucas, Wood, King, I mean, all four of those players, the kind of players who I could, who I would happily shift on, you know, if things weren't looking very good, you know, so, um, so, you know, I have like, you know, some spots that I'm like ready to move, but I don't have a specific transfer in mind. Um, all right, Brendan, that's the, that's the podcast. I can't believe it It kicks off in five days. Insane. (laughs) 
we are going to know so much more in just a short week. So much information is going to be dumped on us by the Game Week 1 fixtures. And yes. I can't wait to be a smarter manager because of it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, Brand, we have some, uh, we, we, we promised them. And uh, once again, <laughs> uh, go to patreon.com uh, slash always cheating to support the podcast first and foremost. Um, if you, you know, so if you, if you like what we do and you want to say thank you, that's, that's hopefully how the Patreon works. Uh, but you know, we also have, you know, Slack, uh, bonus podcasts, all those things to say thank you to our patrons. Uh, so Brandon, let's say thank you to our patrons right now. Okay. So why don't I take the, uh, new producer and Volkswagen patrons okay. and you can take the giant chunk of Sorloth page patrons. Uh, patrons and then we'll we'll go from there okay um then i'll take the pookie patrons all right so starting off a uh, big thank you to our new producers brian chin travis west and frederick kian grand ski and at the volkswagen level big thanks to tyler ogilvy carlos carranza todd byerly dan ness sorry dan dan nascimento and Patrick Ellis. All right. Thank you to uh, producers, Volkswagen patrons, uh, Lord Sorloth patrons. Um, there's a fair amount. So if I read them quickly, don't take that as a sign of disrespect. Uh, Chris Bashir, Jonathan Pang, Scott Smith, Aditya B., Ryan, Jordan McGrath, Kevin Griffiths, Michael Van Harlem, William Voorhees, Cameron Shaw, Andres Escalon, uh, Michael Young, Eddie Tierney, Gerald Howie, Bobby Baldoni, Mark Stewart, Klaus Lund, Mike Nidra, uh, Elvin Grotley Nilsson, Joachim Jansen, Nino Guito, uh, Ali Steele, David Mayo Drag, Andy, I told you it was a lot, Brandon, uh, Andrew, Keep King, going. Andrew King, Michael Thomas, Joshua Wilson, Chris Hall, Ted Rosner, Lucas Gardner, Stuart Clark, Joachim Thork Kildson, Morton Vibe, Alex, uh, Steiner, Sunsfjord, Arnstad, Tor Forland, Great name. Dan Thompson, Martin Johansson, Sjowal, uh, Kajitel, Kutam, Dan Waite, Andrew Straw, and Kenneth Pascard. Whew. Thank you, guys. Edward Edward Straw. Go with Edward Straw. Edward Straw. What did I say? I don't know what I said. Andrew. Andrew. Sorry. Edward Straw, of course. Uh, yes. And then a uh, quick thanks to our Pookie patrons. Whew. Oh, man. I can't believe I volunteered for the Pookie patron. Olugubenga Alakaja, Matthew Livjik, Victor Edwardson, the FPL general Mark McGettigan. Jonathan, Jason, Martirano, Mele Matt, Simon Dutka, Johnny Holden, A.A. Ron Johnson, Michael Swanston, Steve Lee, Shane Deere, Jared Simon Pete, and last but not least, big thanks, Anton Titov, our last Pookie patron. Huge round of applause to everyone who has recently joined our Patreon supporters circle. Uh, we do really appreciate your support. It makes podcasting fun. Yeah. Thanks again to everyone who supported the podcast. Uh, and again, patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can go. Uh, Brandon, we still actually have our producers to thank, but I think just to break things up a little bit, I'll just note, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, basically anywhere where you download a podcast or are able to do so, you can do so uh, on your phone, your computer, wherever. Uh, if you give us five-star review on iTunes, that really helps uh, people to find the podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters, Instagram at Hail Cheaters, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash always cheating. You can email us, hailcheaters at gmail.com. Uh, you can also visit our website to find all of this and much more. You can also DM us for any, any questions or inquiries or wherever um, at alwayscheating.com. 
thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. And let's sign things off, Brandon. I, I, I will say, hail Lord Sorloth. And I'm just going to give it to you for the producer's <laughs> thank yous. And that's just going to end the podcast. Yeah. Fade to, fade to yeah, black. Yes. <laughs> hail to Sorloth, Vokes, Poku, and Mbakani, and all of our lovely producers. You know who you are. Brian Chin, Travis West, Frederick Cayenne Gransky, Dave Wegner Lodal, Danny Evans, Brian Jacobson, Ron Frosk, Andy Penn, Jazz Binning, Christian Carter, Bobas Kuhn, James Holland, Ben Grant, Jeff Husby, DeBig Gaffer, Trevor Ingerson, Brian T., Nick Costello, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Martin Savage, Chris Howell, Stephen Toomey, and Mike DePietro. It's the always cheating family. We love you all. Thanks for listening. Josh, I'll talk to you next week. Good luck in game week one. Bye.